Hello, everybody, and welcome to Let's Talk Low Vision. My name is Dr. Bill Takesta, and this is our monthly telephone conference that we do have with the Council of Citizens with Low Vision International. And this night, we have Mr. Richard Retta, who is the president of the Council of Citizens with Low Vision International. And we will be speaking tonight about the very, very popular Apple iPad. So welcome, uh, Mr. President. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Bill. It's a pleasure to be with everyone this evening and have quite a bit of folks on the phone and persons listening to this presentation and uh, interacting as much as possible. So I'm hoping to give you as much information as I have about the iPad, its accessibility. Um, so, yeah, thank you. Yes, and we know that you've had a long day, and uh, we really appreciate you being on again. No now, problem. The last, the last time that you were on, you did tell us quite a bit about the accessibility of the iPhone, and now we know that the iPad is really one of the more popular types of technological devices. So can you give uh, the listeners just a summary of what the iPad feels like and what is about its size and weight and so on? You know, and I was looking online for the specific specifications for the iPad. What I would tell folks is that it is about the size of a sheet of paper, 8 by 11. Um, it's a, not quite as big as that, but very close to it. It's pretty thin. It's probably um, maybe about a half an inch thick, and it's uh, very lightweight. I think it's right about a pound, and um, it is a um, basically the same thing as an iPod or iPhone. It has all the features that the iPhone and iPod does with um, applications that you can download. The accessibility is built into the program, into the unit, so you can basically go into any Apple store or now even any Target and buy a Wi-Fi model or buy a 3G model where you would get a telephone number uh, with it. It doesn't mean that you can make telephone calls per se, but you do get one so you can get the 3G network and uh, have a subscription for data, uh, regardless if you're on a Wi-Fi network or not. And you essentially have the voiceover which comes with it and as well as the Zoom magnification software so you can use either one, not both, at the same time to access on uh, all the screen um, programs from mail to your um, Safari, which is your Internet browser, to the iPod music, to the YouTube videos, to weather, and to a variety, hundreds of thousands, I believe 250,000 applications. We've got a little bit of a break in there, so, uh, but... Yeah, no, I think that's one of the things that the, the iPad really does have many, many things that it can do. And when I first bought my iPad, I bought it out of impulse buying. Everybody was talking about it so much, and I had to see whether or not it truly was as accessible as a person who is totally blind. Is it something I could really use out of the box? And and it was. And you know, I guess I would say to that end, Dr. Bill, because people will ask, um, why get an iPad if the iPhone and iPod Touch does the same thing? And for me, it it, um, it serves as a laptop for me. I, I access it with a Bluetooth keyboard um, because I have <clears throat> some vision. It provides good contrast. It has an HD screen, and you can just do more with it visually. Now, if you're using nothing but voiceover, yes, the down the drawback is you do have more space on the screen to get lost with your fingers and to find and identify programs. So going from mail on the iPhone or iPod Touch to the iPad was a bit tricky, but over time it was uh, manageable. 
Well, let's talk first about there's so many different things that the iPad can do. And let's talk about the fact that how have you found it to be as a book reader? I know that folks could download books through the iTunes store. And uh, how have you found it to work for you as a way to access large print books? I haven't used it necessarily for large print books. Uh, again, even though I am low vision, I do rely mostly on the um, voiceover. What I do do with the phone, and this will speak to the book feature, is I do reverse the text uh, or the image on the screen so there's black text or white text with a black background. That's the way I can see better. Even though I don't see every single detail on the screen, I, it does help me pay attention. It doesn't drown out all the different colors when I have that reverse image. Um, the Apple iTunes has the iBook application, and from there you can download books which are provided to you. It looks like a regular book you would put on your lap and read, and with that you can use the gestures through Zoom or VoiceOver to read it, to flip it by page, and and stop and start with basically the motion of your hand and gestures and taps. So basically, once a person does have their iPad and they set up their iTunes account, they could then go ahead and order books from the iTunes store. And how does one actually do that? Do they have to connect it to a computer? You don't have to necessarily uh, to, to download a book or to get it set up, the iPad. To download a book into your iPad. So once your iPad is set up, um, no, you, you would just access the application on the screen by double-tapping it or tapping it if you're just using Zoom. And then it, it takes you to their bookstore. It takes you to um, like their homepage, and you would just kind of scroll down through categories and whether you want to search by authors or just read what they're, what they're featuring, the latest books, the New York Times bestsellers or other reviews. Um, you would go there, you would um, identify the selection you want, and then I think most all books, they do give you a free sample of the first chapter or two of each book to read to see if it's something you would like to use to get you familiar with their software and how the iBook feature works, and then you it works with the accessible features. I haven't gotten as so far as to see how it goes with graphics and pictures. Maybe you have, Dr. Bill, but um, the text has been great. I, I think I recently downloaded the sample of the Facebook uh, Mark Zuckerberg book um, before the Social Network movie was out, and I, I read through the first two chapters, and I was amazed how easy it was. Yes, and uh, we, we've tried it with many of our low vision patients at the Center for the Partially Sighted, and the comments that they say is that they are very, very impressed with the contrast of the screen and the ability to make it have the black background with the white text. The, the drawback that some folks say is that they wish that it could be in large print and read aloud with the voice over at the same time. Now, how do you actually change the size of the magnification when you do use the zoom settings to read the book? I believe, and again, I'm not the, the, the world's greatest expert on this, and there may be others on the call later on who want to address that, but I, I think you can, uh, when, you double, when you access Zoom, you're basically using three fingers and you're tapping the screen three times, and on the third time, you're actually moving your fingers up or down to magnify or to zoom out. 
uh, and or if you want, if you have a usable vision where you don't always need to use Zoom uh, on many of the features, including the email, as well as I believe in the books and, and on certain web pages in Safari, you would pinch the screen and it would either enlarge it or make it smaller, the text. And I'd use that briefly to read quick things, and that's been very helpful. Yeah, so basically by putting your thumb and your index finger on the screen, if you spread your fingers apart, it will magnify it, and if you move it closer together, it will then minify it. Is that right? That is correct. Yes. Now, we have also found with, uh, for example, myself, when I read with the iPad and I'm using the voice over, I have found that the voice over is very, very legible, and I really have found it to be quite good. Have you used the voice over to read parts of a book yet? I have. That's basically how I rely on reading most of the periodicals, newspapers, and magazines, as well as books. I, I would use voiceover, and I have my preferences using the Australian English voice. Um, it, it's quite different, and it doesn't drown out when you hear other talking devices on your desktop or on your watch. And so it's very distinctive, and it, and it enunciates pretty well, and then it has the ability to speed up the voice. And so I, I read through many newspaper listings and books very fast with uh, voiceover. Now, would you tell the listeners, how can they actually have it begin to read? What is the gesture? What do they do to the screen in order to have it begin reading? Essentially, you, you um, once you have gotten your orientation down by putting your fingers on the screen and seeing where your book or your magazine article begins, you then um, know that you're at the top of the page or wherever you're, you want to start, and you... Um, you double tap um, with two fingers side by side, and you double tap to start the speech. And then, if you want to stop it, you double tap again. It's like play and pause. Uh, and then, you, if you want to go line by line or, or word by word or paragraph by paragraph, you essentially take one finger and you swipe one finger uh, left to right to go forward and right to left, I believe, to go back. Yes. And that's the one thing that I really like about the iPad as compared to the Kindle 3. I, I, I got a Kindle 3 also, kind of obsessed with these kind of toys. But with the speech output on the Kindle 3, you can only begin reading and you cannot really navigate. So if you want to skip a line or you want to go backwards, it doesn't allow you to do that. So I think that's a real advantage of the iPad. Now, what about the, the screen itself? Is that something that a person who is low vision... Would you be able to read this in your bed at, in, in, at night or in a dark place? I think you can um, uh, you, because you can have it on your lap or uh, however your position laying down or sitting up, and you can have it in front of you or you can prop it up on a pillow. Or I even have a stand that looks like it's a, it's a um, picture frame, and it, the stand kicks out, and then you can have it poised on your desk or on your lap, if you will, or on a tray, and it, 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 you can look at it, so you're not always having to have it on your lap, or you can angle it in such a way, and um, so you can e read it with ease and not have to strain or, or have your hand in a certain way where you have to gesture the phone or look down or have your nose on the screen all the time. So there are ways to modify and raise the screen and adjust it. Now, other features of the iPad that really make it very, very popular is accessing your email. And how do you go about doing that? Do you access your email using the 3G network when you're away from your home or your office? 
I do. I, I mean, constantly, because I have three active email accounts and that they all do merge, um, both on the iPhone and iPad, I do have them um, in such a way on my phone that I can access it through Wi-Fi or the 3G network. So while I'm commuting every day to work an hour and a half each way, I will, you know, access the mail application, uh, go to my inbox and then read um, <clears throat> email that's sent to me. And um, it's same the same features apply as if you're reading the double the, the double tapping to stop and start. Um, and then you can delete them and erase them off the server. So when you get home, if you're wanting to use your regular computer, which I do once in a while, but not as often as I did before, you can you can you know read them that way. But what I do is I um, it also has the ability to reply. So if you were to reply or compose a message, a on-screen keyboard pops up and you can type touch type with your fingers. Or um, I even now have a Bluetooth keyboard to um, write longer email replies or compose emails. That would just take a little easier with a Bluetooth keyboard, but you can can take um, the the on-screen keyboard and send messages. Yeah, initially I thought it was difficult. The first couple of hours that I was trying to reply to emails using my iPad, at first I thought it was a little difficult, but later, you know, I started to get the knack of it. Now this Bluetooth keyboard that you had mentioned, yes. how, how much is that particular type of a keyboard if someone were going to add that to the $500 price of the iPad? Well, um, and this speaks to the accessories in general, but the Bluetooth keyboard that I bought, which is the Apple Bluetooth keyboard, it's very thin and it takes two AA batteries. Um, it costs about $59 at the Apple store. And, uh, again, it takes two AA batteries. And I, I have found it to be very useful. And now instead of taking a laptop with me on trips, I'm taking the iPad as well as the Bluetooth keyboard. And it does about 90% of everything my laptop would do. Um, and, and it's just much easier. And um, that's about another $60. And then if you were to get a case, which a case is necessary for the iPad because it's so fragile if you drop it that it may just break that I have a leather case with this kickstand so it protects it from all elements. And uh, that's another $70. Yeah, and I think that really is a, a good investment. You had recommended that to me, and I did purchase one because what I found was that the iPad alone, it's so slick and smooth yes. and and almost, I guess you'd say, sexy, that it's not very easy to hold just by itself, is it? It is not. It really is something that's slippery. I, I found that true with the iPod Touch and the iPhone, and especially the iPad, because the surface, the back surface with the Apple logo is very slick, and it, it could drop. And you, if you're you know, on concrete or something, it's going to do some damage to it. Now, when you talk about the fact that you do these emails and you have the 3G network, is there a fee that the user has to pay to be able to connect to the 3G network to send and receive these emails where you're on the bus or someplace? Well, over the weekend, um, the iPad is now made available both on AT&T and the Verizon network. So they all have different fee structures when you sign up with the fee, with the fee um, versus using the Wi-Fi network. So you can have a plan as low as $15 with AT&T uh, for, I think, one a gig of data as opposed to 2GB for $25. Um, I have the plan that was discontinued, and I'm grandfathered in for $30 a month. I have unlimited data. Um, and Verizon is coming up with a very similar structure on their um, platform when they have the iPad coming out in a week. Now, also getting back to the email, you mentioned that you do have three different accounts. 
I know that I had a very easy time setting up my Gmail account. I couldn't believe how easy it was to get my Gmail to come. Uh, did you find the same experience with setting up these different accounts that you had? I, I really do because I have a Hotmail account that I've had since 1999. I have an SBCG Global account that I've had for maybe about five or six years. And then my my new work email that I've had since March, um, it's really great because it, it, it's easy to set up. It, it runs you through the um, categories of what you need to insert. And through work, I have the Microsoft Exchange Network, which is accessible with the iPad. So I can check my work email on the go as well as link up all my different folders in my work calendar. So if I enter a um, calendar entry on my work laptop or on my iPad, it'll, they will all sync up. So they'll both show up on my calendar on the iPad as well as on my work. So they'll, and they'll both send me reminder messages that I have to be somewhere. And that's the, that's really great. So I use one calendar, uh, whether it's on my iPad or on my computer, and they're both in sync as well as the email account. Yeah, that sounds to be, you know, very, very convenient. Now, for a lot of college students who may be listening, they have the questions probably, how does this work, you know, in terms of with downloading PDF files or looking at photos or especially for the college student, how does it work with YouTube and, and that larger screen? Have you have you tried using any of those types of programs with it? I'm not a big frequent user of YouTube as others have used YouTube, but I do know YouTube is fairly accessible to the iPad and iPod products, it does tell you what's on the screen and what you're about to watch and how much time is left in the actual um, showing of the film, whether it's a five or ten minute video. Um, so it does it does stream well, and the voiceover does. Um, it, it very it, um, rarely does it get choppy, where the voice will have to you'll have to reset it because it's like an overload, I would imagine. But um, it's very easy. I believe it does read PDFs fairly well. And um, in, in it, if you do label your photos, uh, it, it will tell you what image you're looking at. Yes, my daughter who's at college right now, she has an iPad and she just says, this is just great. She also has the iPod Touch, which is like the iPhone, but she just says that the uh, images on the screen are just so great. So when they're showing photographs or even in their lectures where they do have the PDFs where they're showing charts, and I guess those all-important YouTube videos, I think that's one real major advantage. With the iPad, there's an icon on the desktop, as you would put it, on the home screen. And right. it is already there where it says uh, you, iTunes uh, YouTube, right? That's correct. And so it, it, it's pretty much ready ready to go there. Now, you mentioned that there's, I forgot you said, almost uh, a quarter of a million Applications. Can you tell everybody what is an application and what, what would people use these applications for? Applications vary from getting your local weather and having just one place you go to to check the weather conditions and wherever you're at. And it can be by location based where it's a built-in GPS will say, would you like to check your current weather in the location that you're at or would you like to check it somewhere else? So you have those options. Um, applications may be music applications, radio station applications for your favorite radio station. Very likely there's an iPhone, iPad Touch app for it. Um, Facebook, all the social networking sites have their own applications that are modified for the iPad. So it gives you ease of use and um, 
their NASA has an app. Everybody has it's it's basically like a web page, but um, apps can either be free or an app that you pay for for a service that helps you look up things. So it's it, it's more of of a narrow casting kind of a way. That it, it tra- it's an attraction for you to look at a certain topic and then participate in that topic and or receive that service. It could be a game. It could be information based Wikipedia. It can be a variety of things. And they apps vary from being free. Many are 99 cents, and some range up to $100 if you get a GPS program. Now, I understand that uh, some of these GPS programs are really very, very popular. And uh, have you ever tried using any of the GPS programs that are available for either the iPhone or the iPad? Um, I have, have have used a few, and I haven't found many to be completely accessible, and there may be others in the horizon. I know that the makers of the Sendero Group GPS, they recently have a iPhone app that's um, GPS-based. It gives you your, your nearest intersection, your local nearest address, as well as your nearest five points of interest. Um, another one is IMAP. I-M-A-P-U, and it gives you your basic location, uh, nearest point of interest, as well as um, your intersection, as well as your coordinates. Um, there are others out there. I think Navigon, which is like a $60 GPS app, parts of it are accessible and other parts aren't. And I know a lot of people have used that one who are blind. Um, it might be a much easier sell for people who are low vision who can still see maps and zoom in. I'm at the point where I don't. Um, it doesn't benefit me anymore, but I do know that there are hundreds of GPS programs out there. And I know that uh, some of the things that many of our other patients who do have the iPad, they have a lot of games, these applications. They really love these games that they can buy for 99 cents. And the others who are restaurant people, they could access Yelp and other types of things. And Correct. Have you, have you used your iPad for taking notes in some of your meetings that you have over there at the Lighthouse? I have. I use it every Wednesday morning during our admin meeting. Uh, from 9 to nine to noon, we have about a three-hour management meeting, and I always have my iPad or iPod or iPhone with me, and I use my Bluetooth keyboard, and I prop it up there on the desk, and I have the keyboard on my lap, and like everyone else is with their laptops, I got my iPad there, and I'm just taking notes for you know, things I need to do when I get out of the meeting, <laughs> and it's, it's been very helpful. Now, when you do that, uh, is is that an application that you purchase, or is that something that came with your iPad? The I use the notes feature, uh, which is basically your basic notepad on the iPad, and I use that on my for my home screen. So I access that, I go and start, I add a note, and I just start typing away. And then when I'm done, I can email that note to myself, or I can um, send it to someone else, or I can. Um, to save it, and um, there are other programs like Docs to Go and Dropbox and other things. And I haven't gotten to the point where I'm using that as much to access or edit information. But you can essentially use documents like the Gmail documents or Microsoft documents on there if you have the right application. Right now, I'm just using the Notes feature. I'll email them to myself, and then I'll dump them into Microsoft Word when I'm on my computer during the day, and then edit those notes accordingly. Now, is it difficult to purchase these applications and to download these applications? Is it something that you have to go to a computer? Or 
Are you able to do that just straight from your iPad? Well, once uh, your iPad is plugged into your computer and once you've done the initial setup and you've linked it to iTunes and you've um, got an account with iTunes and you put in your credit card for future reference, um, you can do the downloads um, standalone without connecting them to a computer. Um, sometimes they do want you to connect it to a computer if you're downloading a very large application, but often now more of the Wi-Fi networks are able to um, download it without having you to plug it into your computer. So you basically would go to your app, the App Store, the Apple App Store, find the application that you want to download, see if it's free or if it's a paid app. You agree to their terms and conditions once, you know, once, and then whenever they do the updates, you have to agree to them again, and it's all that's accessible. And then you would just essentially double tap until you are downloading your application on your screen. And that takes anywhere from 30 seconds to about three minutes, depending on the size of the app. And once it's on your screen, you're pretty much ready to go. I know, Richard. Isn't it just amazing how much money you could spend with your iPad when you're waiting for the bus to come? It's <laughs> you, pretty scary, you buy, yeah. <laughs> you, you press the icon, you get your iBooks, and you buy a couple of books, and you go it's, to the applications, and you buy a few applications. It's instant gratification. <laughs> yeah, uh, good or bad, it's instant gratification. I, I, try, I try to be sensible about what I want versus what I need, and, you know, I, I have more of the free apps on my screen so I can play with them and see if they're accessible. I worry about buying too many things that are not accessible. I know there is a, big, a better refund policy on their apps now than there was in the past, and I still haven't gotten this that far as to you know see if that's going to work or not, but I, I know that it fits in place. Well, you know, you've talked about all the things that the iPad can do, and you said it does about 90% of the things that you want to do, and as the president of CCLVI and working, I know you're very, very busy. What are the 10% of things that the iPad doesn't do? Well, currently it doesn't, and it's, and it's about to, as I say this, it doesn't have the the ability to do very good print jobs because um, you need a Bluetooth a Bluetooth network, and I think they're coming out with um, solutions with and, and printers that you can have your your iPad talk to and you can print things remotely without having to plug it in. Um, you know, I had I had it in my head earlier what the iPad can't do, and I can't recall what it can't do. But um, it, it does, you know, it does a pretty good job. Um, there are certain things that I can still do more faster on my computer with Zoom Text or JAWS, and that's just familiarity with certain websites. But I, I access Facebook and Twitter all the time uh, on my iPad on the go. I'm always doing updates and reading about updates and updating our CCLVI status on the Facebook and Twitter apps. And uh, what can it do? Um, it hasn't fried an egg yet, but, you know, <laughs> there might be an app for that. Yeah. Well, one of the things that, you know, I actually have a netbook computer, and there are certain times that I do use my netbook computer instead of the iPad. And I would say the reason that I do take my netbook computer are times when I have to take a scanner with me. If I'm going to take my Pearl camera and scan a document, then uh, I think that that is something that the iPad doesn't do. Are you familiar with whether or not you can connect the scanner to the iPad and 
scan a document and have it read aloud to you? Um, not at this point. I'm sure that there will be uh, built-in features in, in the future iPad versions. I think future iPad versions will have the ability to have scan or, or have a built-in camera like the iPhone and I, the new iPod Touch does where you can take a picture of an image and there's there's many applications out there now that will scan and read the text to you. How good that is, I don't know, but I know that they're 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 building upon that success with the Kurzweil and other things that are out there with that technology. Yeah, and, and have you heard anything? Uh, it's kind of interesting in some ways that the iPad doesn't have a camera on there, whereas the iPhone does have a camera. Have you heard anything about that? You know, I do. Um, one of the the um, web pages I have on my home screen, which isn't so much an app, is Mac World, um, Apple's you know quasi um, partial parent. Um, the people who do review all the Macintosh items from the iPhones to the Apple iMacs, and and they have articles in there. They they think the next generation of the iPad, which will come out in the next year, year and a half, will have a built-in camera. I think it's an excuse to have another generation of iPads to make more sales. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm certain that the um, because the new iPod Touch has just come out with a camera, um, so I think their, their strategy was to get the iPhone out there with a camera, and then get the iPod Touches out with the camera, so more people would get the phone, and then yes, and so it goes. Yes, yesterday Apple they reported their sales were a little bit disappointing, but uh, you know it's still quite impressive. You know, Doctor Bill, I do want to I do want to say this before I forget it. Um, People ask me all the time. I, it's interesting. I feel like I'm one of those AT guys who's teaching people JAWS or ZoomText like it was new 12 years ago. People asking, you know, well, I just got my iPhone. Can you teach me? Can you teach me how to use it? And my answer is no. My answer is, isn't to be mean. My answer is you have your iPhone. I had my iPhone for about a week and um, a week and a half before I started asking questions. My best advice to anyone who's getting an iPod Touch, an iPhone, or an iPad is to just play with it. Just be curious, um, be patient, maybe have a glass of wine, because when you're going from like a phone or a tactile accessible product, whether it's a, a laptop with keystrokes or a phone with buttons, and you're going to a Surface computer with no real good feedback, Oops. Hello? Yeah, we're there. Okay. I thought maybe someone hung up. <laughs> when you're going from that kind of a, a, a tactile software to or a device to a, 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 a unit with nothing but a screen that you're accessing with your fingers and tapping and it's talking to you or it's magnified, you're losing a lot of, of, of what you, you were used to. So just being patient and, and adjusting, it, it's relearning everything you know about computing all over again. And I just say give it a week and a half before you start asking your other friends who are using this device questions. And then they can give you the advanced tips on what's worked and what's not working. But it's better for you, the end user, just to be curious and learn yourself, learn the hard way, and then come out of the you know the bushes and go, okay, I, I got 80% of it. Give me the other 20%. Yeah, I agree. And I think that it's sort of hard to memorize some of these things. Mm-hmm. You just have to let your fingers sort of do that uh, sub subconsciously. Yeah. Now, now, how about, you know, with your schedule? I know that you have appointment after appointment. Do you use your iPad to keep your appointments and your calendar for you? I do. I, I mean, I have my calendar synced on both my iPhone, my iPad, and my work computer. And whatever it comes up first on, I, I, I okay, okay, my dentist appointment is at 8 o'clock, and then I'll hit the dismiss button, and I'll know that's where I need to be. And then it's still there on my phone and on my work computer if I need it 
but um, until I delete the the appointment. But I do use my iPad. So do you find that the interface to in, insert new appointments and to, you know, keep appointments and things, is that pretty easy for you to use? I think so, um, because you can use your calendar on the iPad in like a calendar mode, like looking at the traditional Sunday through Saturday calendar, or you can look, list it in a list mode per day or a daily mode or a weekly mode. So you have those options and the way it looks and feels, and that's helpful too. And I'm a list person, so I always put it in terms of the list versus the weekday. And you're doing that with the voiceover speech. You're not using to look at that. That's correct. All right. Now, if you were to buy one again, uh, what model would you purchase? What would be your recommendation? And what would the, be the accessories like the cover and the Bluetooth keyboard? What would be your, your recommendation to users now? Who well, you know, it depends on your uh, you know productivity. I thought I needed the 3G unit more than I do, and all I have really used is a Wi-Fi in, in hot spots or here at work or in the or at home. And um, I I did buy the, the 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 3G plan, but I'm about to cancel it or, or go to a much lesser plan because I don't really use it as much um, as I thought I would. And, and you can get everything you need on a Wi-Fi network. Only if you're on the road, and, you know, on, on on a bus trip across the country, you might miss it. But other than that. Um, I use, you know, you can get a buy with a Wi-Fi model for $425, $430, and I think it's $100 less at Target. And you can also um, just get a, a real nice case for it that zips up that's, you know, weatherproof and protects it from all the elements so it's, it lasts longer. And then getting the Bluetooth keyboard, you can also get a Bluetooth headset, and um, it doesn't hurt for the iPad especially to get a, the, the warranty for two years for, like, it's $70, I believe, and that covers it pretty much in everything but, like, water damage. Um, so I think you're set with those three things. So a $400 iPad will turn into about $800 iPad with the accessories and the warranty if you wanted to go about it the right way. And did you say that at Target it would be $100 less than if you were to buy it you know, I read somewhere, I think that's with you have, like, the Target card and you use their code or you open up a Target card. I think it's a, it can be, it may be as low as $330. Wow, that's that's really quite quite impressive. You know, another thing that I just remembered right now is that I had another patient that I loaned my iPad to, and she tried to read that outside, and she said that she had difficulties just because the the screen was so glossy that the reflection of the sun made a bit of a problem for her. Yeah, I, I could see that, and I don't necessarily sit out in the sun and use it where I'd be under a tree or in the shade. But, yeah, that, that glossy figure, you know, that it'll just look right back at you. You'll see the sunlight more than anything else. And I know that the iPad has had problems with um, exposure to direct sunlight. It overheats very quickly. So it's not your all-purpose recreational you know, going horseback riding with iPad, but, it, you know, <laughs> it's pretty close. Great, great. And uh, the last question before we open it up to questions from our audience, uh, does the Apple Store, do they have a program as they do with their computers that if you do purchase it, that they do even give you lessons there? You know, it, interestingly you asked that because I know that when you buy a Macintosh, like you said, for a ninety-nine dollars for for uh, for the year, ninety-nine dollars will get you one hour a week of training on how to use their accessibility features from Zoom to VoiceOver. Does that extend to the iPod 
iPad and iPhone. My my guess is that they probably would be. I don't think they would be prejudiced versus over one over the other. They'll take your money and train you if they know how. And um, that's pretty compelling when you think about in the AT world, they charge you ninety nine dollars for one hour, if that, of, of uh, training on you know your Jaws or Magic or, or things like that. So that's yeah. pretty cool that it's you know accessible and it's leveling the playing ground and the playing field. When I went to Taiwan, Taipei last month, and I gave my speech on achieving access through employment and letting the Taiwanese blind population and what blind people are doing in America and what they're being employed. I use my iPod, my iPad, and I demonstrated to them during my speech. This is what I'm using, and like they were all in shock. Like, wow, that's really cool. That here is an out of the box item, and this blind guy from the United States is using this, and he's telling us what he's doing out there, and, and he's not using you know a Braille note or a Jaws. Not that they're bad, but he's just using something that doesn't cost thousands of dollars. Yeah, if you, you're going to talk about something that's four to five thousand dollars less, and I just had some people from mainland China, Beijing, who wanted to come to see what what are people here in the United States doing with low vision and blindness. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, if anybody wanted to go check some of these features out, and they could go to the Apple Store, which they're they're pretty very very helpful. They are. Uh, they really are. Basically, when you turn it on, correct me if I'm incorrect, but uh, there'll be an icon, and you you double tap settings, mm-hmm. then you 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 tap general, and then you tap accessibility, and from there you have the option to put it on the magnification mode, the zoom mode, or you could have the voiceover in the camera. reverse brightness mode, the reverse brightness mode, and you can do that when you walk into the store, or if you if you bring it home, and you can set it up through the universal uh, accessible settings on your iTunes, and then the iTunes will help you set it up if you do it at home, independent of the store, or if you had it shipped to you. Um, so that's pretty cool. And then the other thing I wanted to, to let you know, Dr. Bill, before we ask questions, is um, AppleVis, A-P-P-L-E-V-I-S, I com is a website that blind people, people who are disabled, created to uh, critique accessible apps out there for all iPod, iPhone, iPad um, devices. And there's applications that are reviews on how accessible it is or isn't. And it's, I found that to be very useful and found a lot of apps I didn't know existed out there. Wow, that's great. So that's Apple V-I-S, as in vision, V-I-S dot com. That's correct. And the other uh, website that you had recommended was MacWorld.com? Yes, I use that on my phone as well. Okay, great, great. Well, this has just been very helpful. And uh, let's go ahead and let's open it up to some questions from all the callers here. And if you unmute your phone, star six, and we'll go ahead and uh, open up the questions for Mr. Retta. Oh, I'm Ann. I'm here with questions. Uh, I missed last month. I was sorry about that. Uh, Let's ask questions about the iPad there, Ann. uh, Thank you. uh, The iPad. I did have somebody bring one over one day, and it didn't have the voice over or anything, and um, it seemed to be so sensitive, and I would never be able to use that keyboard. Um, I'm wondering... Uh, I love the feeling of it, though, and I seem to go for the gadgets. I'm 85 with shaking hands between the iPhone, the iPad Touch that I don't know anything about, or the iPad. If I was going to um, <laughs> uh, go all out for one of these, what would you recommend? The iPhone or the iPad? Or the iPad Touch that you were talking about. 
yeah, the iPod Touch and the iPhone are essentially the same size. Um, you know, that's a good question. You might be better off with the iPad because it's a bigger service to to um, play with and to access versus the iPod Touch. Um, it may be a smaller surface, and it might be harder to scroll on the on the screen with your hands. I'm not sure, but that would be my guess. Yeah, but I found it was very sensitive. It seemed that it kept wiping, you know, erasing things on it without even knowing it. Well, I think, Anne, one of the things that would be really important to know is what would you like to do with this device? If you Do you have something? Are you low vision? I have. It's very low vision. I use um, the Zoom text with the, and I use the reader, the app reader most of the time. Okay. Uh-huh. So if some of the things that you're able to do on the computer, you could continue to do that. But let's say, for example, you wanted to show photographs with friends. The iPad has a much larger screen. Yeah. And like Richard has, the Bluetooth keyboard would probably help you. Uh, yeah, that sounds uh, That feet. sounds good, whether I really need. Now, when you download books, um, you buy the books, do they stay in the iPad or... They do. They do stay on the iPad. I, I'm not sure if you can transfer them to iTunes like you can with music. My guess is you probably could. And so that you would be... I never have time to re- listen to the books. With shaky hands, without giving me a real problem with the iPad? It might. I mean, to, to clarify, they're not books that you download and that they're they're spoken audio. They're just a, they're text, and then you can turn on voiceover for them to be read to you with voiceover. So, right. and the other thing that you might just consider, and just try to think, what is it, would you like to do? If it is that you want to listen to books because you are a audio book listener. Maybe something such as the Victor Reader Stream. I, I have one of those, and I've been playing with it and learning how to use it oh, <laughs> at the, at the iPad. Uh, what, what I really need is something that I can talk to it and and not have to um, use my hands. Okay. Well, you might listen to the last podcast that we had last time about the Eclipse Scan and some of the products that they have over there at IRTI.com. They have what was that? that. Dot, dot you, might you, go, you might go and listen to the last podcast that we have. Go to the CCLVI webpage at www.cclvi.org and listen to last month's interview where we talked about the Eclipse Scan Multimedia Entertainment Center and you, you might find that to be something that could do a lot of what you want. Mm-hmm. Thank you. The next question for Mr. Retta. Richard, this is Janelle Grissom. Hi, You've Janelle. talked about the uh, notepad feature. Is there, and that you uh, either email it to yourself or do something else with it, can you store your notes in yes. the iPad? And also, is there a, um, could you do more extensive uh, typing and and preparing documents in in the iPad. You can't with notes. It, it's not a ba- it's a real basic just taking notes and uh, you can't do graphics and fonts. It's just writing simple text notes and you can write things and then email it to yourself and edit it later in a different program. Um, I believe through Docs to Go and other Microsoft Word like applications out there, you can do a lot more with the editing and and um, alignment of your text and creating, you know, drafts or documents and forms. 
Okay, okay. Um, and, and just to clarify, there are the iPad, you can get the 16 GB model, the 32 or the 64 GB model, both in Wi-Fi or in 3G. The 3G Wi-Fi is $900, $829, whereas the 16 gig uh, Wi-Fi is $429. That's not including Target and what they may be offering. So that's your okay. range. Okay. Okay, next question. Okay. Uh, this yeah, Tom Lelos. Oh wait, is that Todd? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, Todd. I, I, you know, I like to give everybody else a chance. So go that ahead, Todd. Todd. Okay, so Hanley and Todd, here we go. Uh, bunch of questions. Uh, the battery life, and also, can you buy additional batteries and swap the battery out if you're in the field? You know, when 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 your battery dies, you can't charge it. Pop in another battery. Um, uh, I do know that tech screen, the touch screens rather, work on heat. So I'm wondering, in terms of extreme weather, when you mention touching the screen, if you're in you know cold environment, your hands are cold, do you have trouble using it? Or when you're in more really warm environments, does that always work? And you keep mentioning about tapping the screen. Are they in specific places, or do is oh. there some variance to that? So the battery life is really excellent. Battery life lasts, uh, I don't know the specifics, but it lasts pretty long, even with the accessibility features that you use that the voiceover will drain it a little more quicker than you do if you're just using it, you know, without any accessibility turned on. Um, it'll last several hours, you know, um, and there is no battery swapping in and swapping out. The battery is built in physically into the device. There's no thing where you can detach it. So you... Um, there are, I don't know what it's like on the iPad, but there are a variety of things that you can, chargers that you can have that are like external chargers that might you be able to plug into the bottom of the unit. Um, for the iPod Touch and for the iPhone, there are wraparound chargers you can have to charge it and have an extended battery life, but there's no removable battery in the actual unit. You would have to physically just uh, get a new device. Is that correct, Dr. Bill? That yes, same? that's my yeah. understanding, yes. Yeah. Um, and then your other question was tapping. You tap on um, just to find your orientation. So whether you're using VoiceOver or Zoom, you tap on what you're trying to find, and it'll read it to you, or you know it'll magnify the whole screen, part of the screen, um, depending on where you're at on the screen, by using your three fingers to move, to navigate left, right, up, or down. Okay, so clarify that for me, if you will. In other words, if I have a, an application open dead center of the screen, mm -hmm. and I put my finger there, it will read that whatever's there to me. Yeah, most and, applications. But, but will... wait, 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 wait. If I wanted to say magnify or navigate around that document, it doesn't matter where I put the two fingers and then say spread them apart to magnify. It doesn't matter as long as it's within the window or... Right, because when you turn on the application, it, it maximizes the whole screen. So you're, it's not like your your icons are in the background. You, that's hidden. Your, your app, the application is, is open and it's... Um, most all of them are full magnified, so you basically, yeah, that, that's basically the case. And then you would just magnify with your fingers, and everything gets magnified, whatever is dead center. So it's kind of like anywhere. Yeah. Right. So, Todd, basically, depending on whether you have, if you have the magnification accessibility feature on, and if you then put your two fingers 
to go ahead and then try to make the magnification larger, you could basically touch anywhere on the screen. Right, right. Okay. Or if you want to start and stop the reading of it aloud for you when you have it in voiceover, you could touch basically anywhere on the screen. However, if you're going to try to open an application, you have to double tap right on the icon that you're feeling right, right so how do you know where that is? And is that you just slide like your finger, Todd, as you slide your finger across the screen, it will tell you where you're at. So oh, let's okay. say that you're on the top left, it might say Safari. Then you move right. your finger a little more to the right, it might say YouTube. And you go a little more to the right, it might say <clears throat> Settings. And then once you find that item, you, if you're using VoiceOver, you double-tap to turn it on, or you just tap it once if you're with Zoom, and then it'll open up that program, that application. Okay. Um, Great. Uh, Next question. Todd, well, I let's do let, have let's let others ask questions, Is there a question, earphone please. jack, and um, <clears throat> is there any way of backing the thing up? Because all computers crash. Yeah, you can. There is an earphone jack, and there's a toggle switch for the volume. Um, and then there's a, 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 one other button on the side that is to lock the screen. So when you tip it from portrait to landscape, it, it, you can lock or unlock that. So, you know, if you're tilting it, it doesn't always switch. Uh, okay, I missed the tail end, the last sentence. And also, um, the, the orientation lock will lock it. So when you tilt it left or right, it, you can go into portrait or landscape mode or lock that so it doesn't always switch. And then the other question was... Backing it up. Oh yeah, you you and plug it into and then, and then you plug it into your computer and um, you have um, it'll sync with iTunes on your regular laptop or desktop and it'll back that up. So if you it does crash, you could always go back and plug it back in and it'll restore those defaults. Okay, next question, please. Ah uh, yes, this is Steve. Um, in terms of using headsets. Uh, would a Bose headset fit on there? Because I wear hearing aids too. I believe so. I believe as long as it, you it, you can get an adapter for the earphone jack, which is standard, you can have it that way, or you can have the Bluetooth headset as well. Okay. And my last question is: I'm part of a cert team, and I'm the team leader. And when we're in the field, we have to take notes, or I got to keep track of people and different forms I have to fill out. Can I enter those into the computer and then fill them out as a need be while I'm in the field working uh, under different conditions? It depends on what program you're using. You could use the notes feature and type things in uh, with a Bluetooth keyboard or the on-screen keyboard. Um, and I think if you plug in headphones with a mic, you can. Uh, there might be, uh, be a way to record audio notes. Um, I'm not certain about that. I know you can do that with the iPhone. Okay. Now, you, you said earlier that the voice was clear because I wear hearing aids, and part of my problem is ZoomText I found to be the clearest voice. Is that similar voice to... They're human. Ooh. They're natural human voices that you can... that, that the um, iPad comes with. So I think they're even clearer than ZoomText personally. Okay. I would agree with that. I would agree. I think that the the voices there from Apple are probably the clearest voices. So you might go to the Apple Store and uh, check it out with your Bose headphones. Okay, thank you. I, I do have a suggestion to talk to me after they're done about the hearing problem because I have one too. I have a suggestion for you. Okay, the next okay. question, please. 
This is Gail. Uh, we keep talking about plugging into the iPad into your computer. Are we talking about a, a Macintosh, or could we use also a, a PC? That's a good question. You can use either the Mac or the PC um, because they realize that the PC world is still largely what people use it for desktops or laptops. So they do make the iTunes software and accessible with the PC. Thank you. Hmm. Next question for Mr. Retta. Well, this is Ann. I was asked one of on the email. Does the voiceover work on sending out email as well as the incoming email, which ZoomText does not read my outgoing email? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't. I didn't follow. Does Does it read? The voiceover will it read your when you're sending an email. I do oh, yeah. a lot of yeah. email. It will. It will absolutely. At both both directions. Yes. Are there any other questions for Mr. Retta? Let's take one more question. Todd, do you have oh, another I, question? I just wanted to know the name of the protective case. Oh gosh, you know there's a there's a there there are third party cases. Apple um, allows people to make third party cases, so there's there's tons of uh, cases out there. Well, you mentioned um, one I, earlier. You mentioned I, one earlier. I have a leather. I have a leather case with a kickstand, so you can put it on your on your desk, and you, you can look at it like your monitor, and then have it in front of you. Yeah, you said it was like seventy nine, and Doctor Bill said he he bought it. And, you know, something something so it doesn't fall out of your hands. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know the name of it, but there's many different types. You could buy the Apple brand case, which is a bit more expensive, but there's others, and I think you just want to feel what feels the best for you. I'm actually going to pull my iPad back out of my backpack here and put it under my CCTV <laughs> and see if I can tell you the name of it. So um, you can go on to the next question as I figure that out. But it's basically that these third-party types of cases, they're maybe $20 less. Another uh, uh, nice accessory that's also available for the iPad is that they have a keyboard. Now, this is not a Bluetooth keyboard. This is a keyboard, and there's a little slot or you could then set your iPad directly into it. So let's say, for example, oh, right. if you were going to be working in your office all the time, or and if you were able to use a full-size keyboard with your fingers that way, that might be one easy way that you could use the iPad. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah, it's a docking station, essentially. So yeah. So a Macintosh. <laughs> so... Say, you just, we've got a computer club here at Rossmore in Mona Creek, California, with 1,500 members. And they're beginning to, a uh, man came to me because of my Zoom text. And they want help in trying to get things for visually impaired people using the computer. Oh. I think it's interesting that they're used PCs, but the fact that they could possibly use the iPad. Great. Is, uh, you've, That's nice. They've given me another. They're asking for my help, so this is. Uh, okay, great. Thank you, Ann. Now let's see, Richard. Did you able to find the name of that, and then we'll kind of wrap it up. You know what? It's uh, it's pretty well engraved here, so I don't know, but uh, if I can find it, I'll send it out to you. So, anyways, Mr. Retta, I really like to thank you. And are there any announcements you'd like to make uh, uh, to CCLBI members at this time? Well, I do. Whoever's got the background noise, they might want to mute their phone there. Um, 
um, little entertainment there. Um, I would say that, um, I, well, thank everyone for joining, you know, the call. I hope that you all decide to become members, um, and we're looking for new members and new people to be uh, interested and in, in join our, our, um, monthly low vision calls. Thank you, Dr. Bill, and thank you, Bernice, and thank you, everyone, for being with me. I don't know. Question, how do you become a member? <laughs> um, Bernice, do you want to give out the toll-free number? You can call me at 800-733-2258, and I'll be glad to uh, get you an application. And that information is also on our homepage at cclvi.org. Well, thank you so much. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Thank you all. Okay, good night, everybody.